0: Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts,
1: Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong.
0: If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365-focused IT security professionals. It's episode 13 of season four. Alan and I recently had a discussion around Azure Lighthouse. It's a service within Azure which provides delegated access across tenants for both customers and partners. Here are a few things that we covered. How multi-tenant management is used how are organizations using Lighthouse internally, and how are partners using Lighthouse with their customers. It's a really great episode, so without further delay, let's jump in. Hey Alan, how are you doing today?
1: Hey Sam, not doing too bad, how are you?
0: Yeah, very good, thank you, very good. I just can't believe we're on episode 13 of this season already. It it surprised me when I started, <laughs> started writing out my notes.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're definitely, what, technically almost two two th- well, almost three thirds or two thirds at least two thirds through the proposed season, so yeah I think, exactly I feel like we might have to um extend our numbers,
0: yeah, and it's a bit it's a bit crazy at the moment people are starting to you know whisper about Christmas, you know it's it's the the year is motoring along right it just it's, yeah,
1: it's, it's only September I know wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so um yeah and um you know lots of um lots of exciting things coming up um this week um registration for ignite opened so um hoping to see lots of um, great updates coming out of there
1: yeah for sure can't wait to uh to see you know um oh i can't think of what i was gonna say now yeah to to get in <laughs> you know get in on that
0: yeah, I mean, we we often, especially for us, we often see like you know loads of great product updates and announcements there, right? Ignite—that's really our main focus, one, isn't it? Really.
1: Yeah, from our side, and and the new Microsoft Secure one that happened last year, wasn't it? At March yeah, that's time. true. Yeah, that was a new first, wasn't it? So, yeah, Ignite's a good one to to see all the new stuff coming in, and what Microsoft's um, sort of steer is for this their FY in effect.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm. Uh, my assumption is it's going to be AI, AI, GPT, GPT, slap, slap, slap. <laughs> what do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I, th- I think seeing the first banners, I think it is all around. You know, potentially AI and this, you know, bringing in some of the, the new stuff, or maybe a lot of stuff they've brought in is now going GA as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Lots of lots of investment in that space.
1: For sure. Um,
0: should we get started
1: on Lighthouse? Yeah, sure. Okay, so probably to start off with then, um, Sam, wh- why is multi-tenant management important?
0: Yeah, so it, it's probably worth, you know, starting from, you know, the, the basic requirement really um, is that, you know, in, in certain scenarios, um, i I use, the, you know, the couple that, of scenarios that we're actually going to talk through today. Um, you know, um, service providers, or partners, um, you know, um, requiring access to their customers' environments. Um, and if you imagine, for those customers, they could in theory—sorry, um, those partners—they could in theory have hundreds of customers um, that they need a regular or semi-regular access um, to their environment. They may be managing. Um, they may be managing uh, infrastructure resources. They might be looking at. Um, you know um, logs uh, backups x y and z um, for their customers lots of different you know use cases um, there and you know uh, really um, there needs to be a i'll call it grown up and integrated way um, to get access into those environments the other scenario really is about um I don't really want to call them enterprise organizations, because I think even in smaller organizations, we'll talk about some sort of organization-based use cases, that there are times when you want to be able to access um, multiple directories or or tenants um, without having to sort of context switch between them. Um, So really what we are... what we are wanting to do is we are wanting to peer in we are wanting to access maybe deploy to um these other environments and 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 really in the past that 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 has been a challenge you know you might have you know separate accounts um let's say you have a you know a production a development and staging um tenant maybe you you know completely isolate your different environments internally previously you might have had to have like three logins that you would switch between to deploy resources in you know um there what what other scenarios have you seen alan about actually getting access to um, other environments is there any other sort of strategies that you've seen uh, previously? yeah
1: i mean you have got the the b2b side of things so you can invite your your at least in the, the azure environments you know you can invite your your accounts into the other tenants so they become guests and then you can switch your context like you said, you can have separate accounts with separate passwords that you've then got to manage. Um, And then, yeah, kind of the one that we're going to talk about today, I think is the kind of main ones um, of ways to be able to, you know, access those other tenants. Um, So, yeah.
0: Okay. So, yeah, do you want me to just jump in and sort of talk about Lighthouse, I suppose, as the next step and, you know, how that aims to simplify um, that 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 you know that process really. Um, what 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 Lighthouse is designed to do is it's 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 there to provide a management plane and sort of a process um, for managing managing and broker, uh, brokering that that access into different environments. So if you if you imagine you've got a main tenant um, or a service provider tenant, um, what Lighthouse can do. Um, is it can orchestrate the delegation of resources um, from a, you know, uh, an external or customer tenant. So what you effectively do is you define, you know, a list of authorized users or groups um, or service principles can directly work in the context of those customer um, subscriptions um, without actually having an account um, on that side, um, and y- y- what you can do is you can define the scope of this delegation. So you can either do it at the subscription level, um, or you can do it at the resource group level, depending on how you want to how you want to access that. Um, and it, it's probably worth t- talking about um, the control that Lighthouse. Um, Sort of provides those customer um, tenants. Um, th- there is a completely sep- uh, segregated area called service providers um, in the Azure portal, which allows those customers to uh, first onboard um, service providers. Uh, I'll, t- I'll talk about that in a little bit more depth when we talk about the customer scenario. You know, the, the service provider and customer scenario. Um, But that service provider uh, portal is really showing you the offers that you've subscribed to and also the delegations that you've also assigned uh, via those offers. So it allows you to, in a really simple place in a completely self-contained area of Azure, um, it shows you um, who and what you've given access to um, in in, in your environment. Um, And it's worth talking about uh, the roles and you know sort of how that side of things um works um so so when you define your offer um inside of that offer you you populate it with the the roles and the users or groups or service principles that um have been assigned um those those roles there are some um limitations in terms of roles i believe they can't have of uh, the owner role is that right alan um and yep. there's some things about uh data actions um uh, you know any roles with data actions aren't permitted and there's a, a a bunch of other specific um um actions that are not supported like um m- mostly all of the ones out of underneath you know microsoft authentication so there's you know there's there is some um what's the best way of explaining it there's you know, there's some thinking that you need to do about the specific roles that you're actually, um, you know, assigning, um, and, and there, there is some guidance from Microsoft about how to look through those roles and understand if any of those roles are actually going to have any, you know, you, um, issues, um, when you do that.
1: Yeah. I was going to say with, with the role side of things, I think that's more of, um, sort of safeguarding, isn't it from a access, you know, cause if, if a a parent, we'll say a parent or a third-party tenant has owner to a subscription, they can in effect, st- I suppose steal it in some form, because they could change the owner to it and change the tenant it's attached to. Well, o-
0: uh, owner, or I believe it's user access administrator, is what it's actually used to um, onboard the offer, right? Mm. So, in theory, you could on- onboard any offer that you wanted to, right? So you'd get this yeah. like you know you get this like infinite loop of access right you could you could first be onboarded and then you could onboard somebody I assume you could onboard somebody else um, as well because you would have the you know the permissions to do that um, it's worth calling out that the so the the customer um, has the ability to revoke access um, from their side um, as well when these delegations are made so it. It still allows a scenario where there's a simplified user experience and sort of open and well-documented from the customer side on how to revoke access um, should they want to at a later date.
1: And if I remember, the roles are, in effect, Azure roles. So it's nothing to do with um, Microsoft Enter ID roles, things like that it is literally you know access to the Azure infrastructure or the Azure resources, isn't it?
0: Yes, um, and the only real sort of identity-based um, uh, roles is that you can you can use it to assign uh, managed identities, I believe, um, through it as well. So there is a there is a provision for managed identities, I believe. But there's nothing from from the way that I see it, it's it's all around like you say those management of Azure um, resources uh, more than it is, you know, uh, Enter ID uh,
1: roles. Okay. And can you, um, what sort of scoping can you do? Because you kind of said about delegating the resources. Can we, is it to the whole subscription? Can you go down any lower?
0: Whole subscription. And um, you can also do it down to the resource group um, level as well. So, and and I believe when you do the assignment of that offer, that is when the, you know, the, the customer, the customer in the customer tenant makes that you know decision about, uh, where it's placed, um, basically, at that point. Um, so it's it is giving them the control of, you know, being able to scope you into specific areas, right?
1: Yeah, okay. Okay, I've got some other questions, but I think I'll leave it for now. I think i will tie in some of the other bits. Um, okay, yeah. And, okay, so... Yeah, oh, sorry,
0: on. there's just one more bit on that as well. Um, it's probably worth calling out. Um, is um, you can... Um, apparently, and I haven't done this um, uh, before, but apparently, if you transfer delegated sc- subscriptions between Azure AD tenants, uh, that lighthouse uh, delegation is is kept um, on that transfer. A- a- according to Microsoft, um, it is um, only if there is uh, further delegation. I believe um, on the if you're delegating a resource group into a subscription that is delegated. I believe it can be removed at that point. Um, but I, I hadn't even, I haven't even considered that. And I, I only read that in some documentation and some, some tutorials that I was looking
1: through. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know. That's interesting. I suppose it's not attached. It's kind of attached to the tenant. It's interesting. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause I, cause I suppose the parent tenant isn't changing, right?
1: No, that is true. I guess it's just the visibility because in effect, when you create that, that connection, then the, unless it must just auto update from the, from the parent side of it to say, Hey, it's in actually now in this tenant. Yeah. Rather than exactly. being like yeah. that one time initial connection sort of thing.
0: Yeah. I'd I'd love to give that a try to be totally honest with you and see how that, that workflow actually. Yeah. Works. Yeah. <laughs> definitely
1: yeah okay okay so how we kind of talked about you know partners organizations you know individually but you know how do partners use lighthouse what's some of the scenarios
0: okay so um the the main i would say the main sort of entry point for an offer being um rolled out um, to a customer tenant is through uh, the marketplace um and what um service partners um, can do is they can um, make a marketplace offering, um, and what what you can do is when you go to the um, service providers uh, Azure portal area, um, you can add a serv- uh, add an offer via the marketplace, and and basically you get a pop up in front of you which shows you like a a, a big long list of um, like an infinite list of all of the you know providers uh, marketplace offerings. Um, So you can search for your um, service provider there, and then uh, effectively that template will take you through getting um, their service, uh, well, their offering, you know, onboarded into your environment. But effectively what that is, is uh, just a a pre-made set of, you know, roles and assignments um, off to the, uh, onto the service provider side. Is there anything else that happens in, in terms of that, Alan? I, I believe it's just that, you know, um, identity to role mapping. Yeah, so
1: of. the the parent or well, the, the partner specifies the roles that the lighthouse is going to have where you decide to assign it. Um, and they can't, you know, it, they can't change it it's an on deployment when it gets added if they want if if roles need to be updated or you know roles need to be removed for that offering like you know individual roles um not necessarily offboarding then a new offer needs to be accepted to in fact run the arm template again and deploy the the new roles for that for that offering um the only thing i was going to say as well was in the marketplace um a partner can also um invite you to their like private um like marketplace and just send you the offer so it does have to be public as well so looking from the other side if like you've got a service that you don't want anybody to just click on and start onboarding um you can individually you know assign it to a tenant from the partner side and then that customer can see it in their list as well
0: okay yeah that's that's a really good, um, you know, an extra bit of functionality that you've got there for partners, um, and you know, once that once that um, de- those delegations have been made, um, you know, that's when you're going to start to see uh, from the partner side, you're going to start to see um, the resources um, flow through into your um, partner. I say into your partner tenant, but effectively it's just your, your partner portal, right? Um, you're seeing a um, a representation of those resources like they were your side, basically, right? Especially if you've got a permanent role assignment. Um, we'll talk about non-permanent role assignments uh, in a bit, but you know, if you've got that permanent role assignment, let's say you've got contributor, you know, to a resource group, you're going to see that resource group. And basically exactly the same as you would see any other resource group, um, your side. Um, you're going to see that subscription in your filters list. Um, you're going to be able to, you know, you're going to be able to drill down um, to that level. And, you know, you know, if I suppose if you didn't know, and I suppose from the naming um, at that point, you know, you wouldn't potentially know any different, Alan, would you? You know, really from a day to day perspective.
1: No. No, it's only in the filters, really, where you can specify which tenants you want to be in your filter and what subscriptions you want to see. So, yeah, they just turn up in the subscription list um, with, you know, the parents subscriptions or other customers subscriptions in there and just see them in in effect a list then to then access and based on the roles they have in those in those other tenants. Yeah. And then from a um,
0: from a in a day-to-day, you know, uh, user experience perspective, you know, you don't have to switch into a different environment. There's no separate account. You know, it's just there, isn't it? You know, um, uh, ready to go at all times, you know. So from a, you know, a user experience perspective, you basically can't get any better than Lighthouse, can you?
1: No, and I think from a partner perspective, it might be that, um, say, you delegate, I mean, we we use it from the side of Microsoft Sentinel and from you know from managed Service perspective of that. But if we talked about an application deployment, maybe um, you know a you may have access. You know the developer might have access, or the, the you know the, the the software company might have access to a a resource group or a subscription, and they manage their deployment of the software that you've you know, purchased. Um, it might just be they have some automation in their tenant to do the the patching of it you know update the resources rebuild you know might have some CI/CD capability maybe um then that allows them to do it from their tenant across you know multiple customers and update everyone at the same time or you know do the staging of updates across customers um and then also help with you know diagnosing problems with them and things like that you know they don't have to have access to your whole tenant you know to uh, Microsoft Enter ID, you know, or Azure ID, or anything like that. You've literally told them you have access to this, and you that's where your application's sitting. So, you know, do what you need to in that in that environment. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Uh, d- d- definitely. You know. Uh, r- really powerful. And it's it's probably worth talking at this stage about, you know, the different service integrations as well, um, because this is really. This is, I suppose, is. I probably shouldn't box it like this, but it's probably more realistic in a customer and you know uh, a service provider and customer scenario where you are having those specific service integrations, right? So mm-hmm. you know you, you mentioned um, Sentinel, and you know effectively being able to peer into, you know, um, you know having cross-tenant workbooks, um, being able to you know pull data. Um, in from you know your customer environments, right? Um, you know h- how would have that been done in the past, Alan? Would that would have been service principle, I assume, to to have that level of um, sort of integration?
1: Yeah, I guess it would be, and using APIs to access that that information rather than using the the native kind of c- connectivity within Azure kind of thing. Um, yeah, service principles, or yeah, it would be service principles, either multi-tenant search principles or service principles in the customer environments with the secrets being passed over to the partner to, to you, you know, to be able to use, and then having to manage that, that access or that key, etc.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the, you know, we've, we've got other scenarios where we are, we are getting a representation of, um, Azure Arc enabled servers. So, um, hybrid servers. I suppose it's probably worth us talking about Azure arc uh, where you have a, uh, could be an on-premise or um, on-premise or hybrid virtual machine. Maybe it's in a different um, cloud, cloud. Yeah. Um, outside of Azure um, where you get a representation of that uh, machine um, in, in Azure. Um, and, and what this can be uh, really powerful for is being able to manage those um, servers at scale um, from a, you know, service provider to customer um, scenario um, because you are able to um, apply, like let's say, they say, the same set of policies across, you know, um, customers' hybrid machines. Um, you can use... Um, oh, we won't talk about Defender for... Yeah, we'll talk about Defender for Cloud now. <laughs> um, but um, Defender for Cloud, because um, it may be that you um, want to monitor the compliance um, across, you know, your customer, uh, customer environments as well. Um, because you know if you are a user of um, defender for cloud you it is uh what's the best way of describing it it's, it's it's sliced in whatever um whatever visibility you've got in your subscription filter um basically yeah. so um your defender for cloud view is determined by what you have filtered so because we get those subscriptions just you know and present uh, and resources i should say presenting themselves just d- natively in in our um, azure portal we're able to um point defender for cloud at those those um, resources and um, start to see their posture and, and manage it from from that side of things so that is obviously a really another powerful um uh, way of doing it
1: yeah and there's there's other things that you might want to i mean if we talk about microsoft sentinel scenario um you might have um you yeah, know microsoft sentinel the customer, you know, the customer's Microsoft Sentinel running. Um, you may have playbooks in the in the parent or in in the provider that is then triggered by you know the customer's Sentinel to to then do triaging, etc., or, or you know any automation, create you know ticket generation, um, or going through you know the 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 different um levels of you know analysts that it goes through. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some overlap where you can trigger on the data because you can kind of not necessarily the data is still stored in, you know, in, in the primary tenant and subscription. Um, but you can be, it can be accessed, um, when, yeah you know, when permissions are there kind of thing. So, um, there's definitely some scenarios that you can, um, can do with it.
0: Yeah. And, and probably just a, a, a less used one from my perspective, but you can deploy pot as your policy. Um, across your customer environments at scale as well. Um I've personally n- never seen that being done, you know, uh, I assume it must be um you know um managing as your policy on, you know, in on behalf of your customers, you know, maybe you've got a um you know a an initiative or a set of um uh, policies that you 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 wish to apply just you know across um your customer environments um you you can also do that um as well um so there's it, it is it is very powerful from an integration perspective and it's probably worth just taking it back to it is just a you know a view of that subscription and resource group you know with the correct permissions there is a lot that you can just you know um natively deploy like you um normally would right so um, and it's probably worth calling out is those data actions, you know, are there's just a flat ban on data actions as well. So you can get some of those more specific, I'll call them specific roles, right? You know, um, to specific workloads um, where you you might have issues with you know rolling out resources, but then not being able to actually fire the data actions that you need to interact with them, right? Um, but th- that's a like a data privacy. Uh, block and protection there uh, from that side
1: yeah and i think it's some of the roles that you have where you have you know normal you know rbac roles as well as the data action ones um the the data action ones on those roles just won't work but the rest of the roles will still work yes. and that's so it's not like it's this role's got some data actions that means you can't use it at all yeah it just means you might not have the functionality you need because it might be a data action that you want to use yeah no uh,
0: no a uh, great thing to call out uh, definitely
1: yeah okay so how so, so we kind of talked about partners or service providers kind of using this um but can you know can organizations use it internally
0: um yeah definitely that's and you know it's if you are an organization that has multiple tenants um i've already talked about the you know the example of having a you know a development staging and production tenant um you know, and calling that out, that's probably a setup that you should have um, internally. Um, you might also have um, tenants in different regions um, that are separated. That might be due to regulatory compliance reasons. Um, it might also be from um, mergers and acquisitions that you've made along the way. Um, you know, we we see um, organizations that have acquired other businesses and, you know, to start off with, you know, they don't, um, you know maybe sometimes they never do um, you know roll all of those directories and tenants um, into one singular place they just end up managing uh, multiple areas basically and what Lighthouse is really good for is you could have um, what what we would call like your managing tenant you know your primary one maybe that's your you know um, production enterprise tenant maybe um, and then your customers in inverted commas, um, would be your other tenants in your organization. Now, when you go into, uh, the service provider section in Azure, when you click add offer, there's, um, basically two options. There's Add from marketplace, which we've already discussed. And then there's Add from template. And what you can do is you can create your own, um, Jason, um, arm template to base. Is it an arm template? I believe it's an yep. arm template, isn't it? Um, an ARM template to effectively describe your configuration um, and what you want to roll out, um, and you know my probably my call out is is if you're an organisation and you look at Lighthouse, some of the documentation can make it seem like it's only really for partners and customer. Like you know, if you look at the documentation, it is really focused on. There is a call out for you know rolling your own as an organisation. Um, but, um, don't be put off by that, you know, just sort of pretend like you are, a, you know, a service provider in your customers or your other attendants internally. Um, so you can define, um, those, and then you would go through the process of opting each one of those in, uh, with the delegations. Um, it's probably worth at this point, um, actually talking about, um, um, sort of just in time access um, to roles as well, because that's that's something that we've kind of um, skipped over really. So um, you know, if I suppose if you're not um, aware of sort of just in time and sort of least privileged access, um, you know, we have a system called Privileged Identity Management inside of Entra ID. Is it Entra Alan? Entra ID now.
1: Yep, not <laughs> formally Azure AD. yet. I think it's okay. October when the portal start properly changing the name. So we've got to start. But, but is
0: it is it Entra Privileged Identity Management or Entra ID Privileged Identity Management now?
1: Entra ID Privileged Identity Management. Okay, but fine, thank you. I think <laughs> I think a lot of the time we always oh, I always announced it as Privileged Identity Management within just Azure AD, okay. not let say. Because it was too long anyways. Your AD, privilege Identity Management was still you know, quite long anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, exactly. Um, but essentially what that system allows you to do is it allows you to um, um, give people the ability to have just-in-time access to a specific role. Um, and it's not just role. Well, let's just call it roles group. Uh, let's just, yeah, let's call it roles. Um, keep it simple. So... You could say, hey, I would like access to this role for a couple of hours. And you could provide some justification as to why you're doing that. You know, you might set that on your, you know, owner. That's a, you know, a high, you know, um, highly privileged role um, in Azure. And it might be better that your users don't use that role um, all the time, day to day. You know, you could have accidental You know, misclicks and and deletion, you know, from an attack perspective, I'm having a sort of another line of defense really in there. And what you can do with that is you can set that for authorization. So you can send that off for approval. So you can say, hey, Sam wants to become an owner and it goes to Alan basically to approve that. Um, We have got an episode on PIM, haven't we, I believe?
1: Yep, season three, episode four. Oh, I, I knew you'd have I was it. Just, <laughs> I was just looking for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I knew you'd have it. Um, so yeah, um, but what um, what Lighthouse does is it's effectively um, bringing th- that across as well with w- what they call eligible authorizations. Um, it's, I-, I believe, under the hood, it uses um, PIM to do it. So there is a, a, a license requirement there, uh, but I believe the license uh, requirement is on just the parent um i believe so tenant? yeah because
1: it's the roles that'll be jumping into it won't it
0: yeah that's that that's what i've read i i haven't really gone through that um I, I hadn't really thought about that until i actually properly read through the documentation um on it um but you can um when you assign those um eligible authorizations um in the service uh, provider section you can see whether that has been configured and the scope for that um, those uh, time period assignments um, on the customer side. Um, Alan, is that something that the customers define, or do the you know service providers uh, or managing tenants provide that you know that sort of um, that configuration?
1: Uh, it depend I guess it depends on the, the sort of engage engagement. So if we're talking about partners, service providers, the, you know there may be a default they have. That they use for each customer so it's all in the template kind of thing um but there may be some scenarios where a customer it maybe depending on industry things like that you know, maybe a, a you know the the finance industry is is tighter maybe than another type of industry um so i th- i think it'll be based on the search provider mainly having a a good base um but you know obviously documented and, um, exposed to the the customer as to what sort of time a, you know, a, a, what the processes are for those roles. Um, yeah. yeah. And,
0: and, and that configuration of that just in time access policy is done in the offer itself. Right. Um, Mm. you know, to enforce, you can enforce multi-factor you can d- define what the maximum activation duration is. So you could say that somebody could only activate those roles for, say, up to an hour or the time period um, that you set. Um, and then you can also define the specific approvers um, that are needed um, to, to to allow um, somebody to jump into those roles as well. Um, so it's, it's all sort of stamped in the offer there, um, ready to go.
1: Yeah, okay. No, that's good. Um, yeah, if anyone hasn't or doesn't know too much about Identity management (PIM), then as we sort of shared out earlier, season three, episode four is a really good episode to dive into it. Yeah, um, definitely.
0: Yeah, and uh, I, I think the main thing that I see from uh, Lighthouse from an organization perspective um, is is really around uh, defender for cloud. In in my experience, you know, that's that sort of one of the day to day things that I see. And that is a really powerful way to get full visibility across multiple environments. You know, sometimes your development environments especially are completely isolated. You don't see um, anything that's going on there. And a lot of the time, the security posture of those environments can sometimes be poor. And the reason for that is, is because if you have these separate environments away, maybe they're not licensed to the same level. Um, their playgrounds, um, which contain, you know, in progress or, you know, um, not finalized production code. Um, So, you know, some organizations I've seen have been, uh, have sort of been uh, quite naive in terms of how dangerous those environments are, uh, mainly because those environments don't store um, potentially sensitive data, right? You might have a policy where you say, right, no customer data, it's development environment. Probably a good policy to have, um, but we, you know, we, we have. It is possible to have those environments as a starting point for um, an attack with lateral movement. You know, throughout the organization, right? So it's it, it is important to have visibility of those environments. Sorry, back to Lighthouse. Um, Lighthouse is you know with with Defender for Cloud is is going to give you that um, visibility, and even with the foundational CSPM. Uh, quotes free version of um, defender of a cloud you still get a lot of value by having the visibility of those environments right you might not be able to do the more advanced things um, but from a getting started perspective um, that's a really powerful combination
1: yeah you can still base against the the Microsoft cloud security benchmark can't you so it, like you said it's really powerful to get that visibility and we've you know as 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 a partner we've helped customers, I've definitely been involved in helping a customer with multiple tenants. Like you said, Sam around multiple in multiple regions that maybe they, you know, they manage their own, um, their own it, you know, in, in different parts of the world. But you know, the, the HQ now wants to see what the posture is of all the, the, all the environments now and see it centrally in in a single view without having to jump to 10, 15 subscriptions or sorry, tenants or something. So, definitely seen that um ask and deployed um and then like you said as well well you didn't say but with defender of cloud then you've got your multi-tenants with all your subscriptions and then you've got your gcp and AWS like viewing all in one place haven't you
0: yeah yeah
1: exactly cool okay so the parent tenant or parent yeah parent organization um is doing you know activity within your using lighthouse to do activity um how is that activity tracked and how is it like visible to see what is being done by the um the parent you know um tenant
0: yeah so um it's you're going to see the activity directly in um your activity log um you know uh in in azure monitor um so from a from a day-to-day activity log perspective um, it's no different than any other activity in azure and i think that also lends itself to you know a confidence from the customer side that you're you're getting that control um you you know um uh, uh, you know and you're you're getting that visibility
1: that's great then isn't it because that's like let's say you've got the it's not, you know, it's not hidden what, what the parent company or the parent organization, parent, tenant, service provider is doing. You can track it all. Um, yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, you can put all your your own alerting in there. If you've got, you know, if you've got Sentinel in there, you can do your own alerting against that activity if you want to. Or if there are any concerns about activity, then at least you can backtrack it. Yeah. And if you've the, got, the you know,
0: TV. you know, um, I would say that you know lighthouse is very open you know um, at any time you can you know remove that delegation right you've got that control from the customer side so mm-hmm. you know if you do see some activity that you don't like um then it, it you know you've got the ability to take action on that um you know by yourself right so it really puts you know customers uh, especially in control really
1: yeah from what I can remember as well um, a microsoft not microsoft a parent tenant can also remove themselves from the offering as well i think you can add that role so that if for any reason you want to offboard from the customer or from the other tenant they can themselves yeah that's so that courage, they don't have yeah. to worry about you know the customer doing it or you know if they and maybe there's a dispute about contracts things like that they can in effect remove themselves from it yes exactly. Um, without yeah without having to be yeah with the customer so that's great as well um and there's no problem with that because you know in effect that's just them removing their own access so it's not a bad thing
0: no definitely not
1: uh okay so so this all sounds great and we love this question but um how much does it cost
0: it is completely free
1: <sighs> can you just
0: repeat um, that yeah I, I i i know well okay <laughs> The, um, oh, sorry, the the PIM aspect of it. What's it actually called? It's the um, oh, the the just in time access. There is a a licensed element there, you know, because it's uh, under the hood. It's utilizing PIM, so you could say that you know that parent tenant. You you require your P two there to get that, you know, that functionality. But from a permanent role assignments perspective, um, and Lighthouse, it's it's completely free. I, I assume, well, I suppose you have got the element of you know being a a partner, if that makes sense. You know, there's other associated effort and investment that you need to make, you know, on that side. Um, but from actually the technology itself, there is no uh, cost at
1: all. Okay, so that's that's really good. So the the uh the, the service, the lighthouse service itself to allow you to gain insights from one tenant down to another or to multiples is free. Um if you want to do some more advanced things like you know the the previous the, the previous identity management side things you need the licensing for it which which makes sense um which is going to be now Microsoft entry ID P two now. Um, and of course anything that you run or you you build in the in the connection like uh, not the connection but in the the customer environment the the resource group the subscription you have access to is then consumption is is a cost for consumption but the the actual connection isn't is free
0: yeah i suppose that's probably worth calling out is that danger as well because you are getting you know potentially you know it's, it's probably worth thinking about your the roles that you are getting assigned to yourselves, you know, um, because we, we should always, you know, work on, you know, least privileged access, obviously. Um, but like you say, there could be a knock-on effect of, you know, it is possible for you to actually deploy um, resources in, in customer environments, which do have a knock-on, you know, um, cost associated.
1: Yeah, and that's where the, the roles being assigned needs to be considered, doesn't it? You know, are they allowed to spin them up? They need to be built by you, but they can manage them, etc. You know, it depends on the, those roles. What the you know, what the the third party or the the parent tenant can do. You know, in a in a organization that's you know, it using that you know, it's all their own sort of within their own like you know co- or you know company. Then that might not be too much of a problem because it's all kind of it's all the same sort of money per se kind of thing. Um, But yeah, with a third party coming in, you might want to be more restrictive about what they can and can't do to ensure you don't accidentally, you know, burn, you know, create a large, you know, consumption bill potentially. Yeah. Um, But there'd be things in the contracts and things that you you sign up to that, you know, I guess you would say that it, well, some of the services, I think you can specify how much it costs as well, can't you? Because I think you with the marketplace offerings, I think you might be able to do the lighthouse plus the deployment of the service, maybe because it's kind of all in the same sort of arm template at that point, I think.
0: Yeah, I believe you can. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it might all be predefined that, you know, the customer put deploys the, the initial, um, resources, but then the, the roles are then managing it, managing those resources rather than actually doing the deployment or deletion kind of thing. Exactly. Um, See so, yeah. here. Okay, so is there anything else, and not Sam, that you can think of? I feel like I'm going to quickly. Probably do a quick summary about what what it is, kind of what we talked about.
0: Um, no, not from my perspective. Is there sort of any areas, Alan, that you think that I I haven't covered?
1: No, I think you've covered it well. I think from a sort of summary perspective, you know, Lighthouse is a a mechanism to, um. Peer into other tenants from from a single tenant into multiple tenants. It could be just into one. It could be into ten. It could be into a hundred. Um, gives the ability to give you roles in that resource group or subscription to be able to do your day to day job that you need to do. It might be deploying resources. Might be managing virtual machines, etc. Um, it gives the ability to you know elevate into roles in that subscription in the customer one um and allows you to gain insight maybe from a security perspective from microsoft defender for cloud into those other resources to see what your posture your security posture is within those Um, and as we said it you know the customers almost is is in control they deploy it they specify if it's a resource group delegation or a subscription they can change the resource groups or update the resource groups and remove the the service completely as well so it's, it's full control to the the customer tenant or the, the secondary tenant um so yeah
0: is it worth sort of calling out as well i believe it's right that every single delegation is seg- separate for each scope if that makes sense so you could deploy the offer multiple times to separate resource groups and subscriptions um I believe you do it on a one by one basis, don't you? Yes. Or is it once you've got yeah, exactly. isn't it once you have, you've got one you can expand it or something like that, yeah. You? Once it's deployed. Yeah, exactly.
1: So you you, you do the initial deployment of the offer into a subscription or resource group, and then that offer's there, and then the, the customer tenant can then delegate that offer to other subscriptions resource groups. That's correct. Afterwards. Yeah. And yeah. remove at the same time. But they can still keep the offer in the tenant. And then they can just delegate to a new subscription resource group if they want to kind of thing. So yeah. I think on the initial deployment, you have to deploy it somewhere. And then there should be at least one resource group or subscription you know, assigned. But after that, you can then assign it to multiple. So if you were, uh, I suppose the example might be that if you had a, if from the organization perspective uh, scenario, you may have um, parent tenant talking to customer or the secondary tenant uh, um, but that tenant might have like 10, 15, 20 subscriptions and you want to be able to see the Defender for Cloud for all of those as as our sort of example. You'd probably deploy the ARM template once to one subscription and then add all the other subscriptions later as a sort of you know in effect like a select list and then assign it and then those permissions will then get added to those subscriptions.
0: No, no, definitely. And um, that flexibility is really what, you know, drives the value of Lighthouse, isn't it, right? Having the ability to configure, change, you know, uh, unenroll, re-enroll, you know, um, and, and move things around relatively quickly, right? Especially with the marketplace um, offerings. It's click, click, go, <laughs> basically.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Absolutely
0: okay um i i couldn't think of an episode um you know that is linked uh really to to lighthouse so i'm gonna you know i'm gonna suggest that you go and uh listen to the pym episode alan sorry <laughs> what was it season three episode four
1: yeah I think that's what i said <laughs> season three episode four yeah
0: yeah okay i got it um yeah <laughs> so uh yeah if you want to uh, learn more about pym um definitely go and check out that episode alan uh what's the uh next episode
1: yeah, so we're going to talk about Microsoft Defender for Identity, one of the other Defenders out there. It's been, I'm surprised we haven't done an episode on it. i just, like, quick, well, not just now, but I was checking through the other day, you know, whether we we'd covered it or not, um, and it appears we haven't. We may have talked about it briefly. Um, so, so yeah, I'm going to talk about that, about, you know, helping detect um, possible infiltration of your Active Directory on-premise um environment um where that potentially can get compromised um and in in effect monitoring that because we have you know we have um identity protection for for um enter id um and things like that for accessing that as well as conditional access and you know all the other sort of security tools that are around that um but this is looking at your when you're you know you're you got a hybrid hybrid identity um protecting your on-premise sort of environment around that so yeah it should be a good episode
0: yeah sounds great
1: okay so did you enjoy this episode if so please do consider leaving us a review on apple or spotify this really helps us to reach more people like you if you have any specific feedback or suggestions we have a link in our show notes to get in contact with us
0: yeah and if you've made it this far uh, thanks ever so much for listening and we'll catch you on the next one
1: I think so.